yeah, it's a business. Yeah, we're here to sell houses. But that's kind of the afterthought of just building a ton of really good friendships with people. And I think that connection. Yeah. And I think if you lead with value, you know, give people value, educate them, humor them, entertain them, something, and just be authentic. Don't really try to sell anybody anything. Uh, You'd really be in, it'd blow you away how many sales you're going to do if you come that way. Hello and welcome to the Agent Podcast with your host, that's me, Raymond Sholseth. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Agent Podcast. I'm here with my buddy today, Joe Rosen, coming to us live out of Florida. Joe, how are you, bud? I'm incredible. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, this is pretty awesome. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, likewise. So, Joe, why real estate? Why real estate? Well, I'll tell you, when I was probably 21 years old, so that was, my, what am I, 39, 18 years ago, uh, I bartended at a place in Minnesota called Antones. It was in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And I ran out of money. I was going to college. I ran out of money. And so I spent a year just working my butt off. I took every shift I could. I was trying to give the best service so I could get the best tips. And at the end of that one year, I'd accumulated a grand total of 35 grand. And I was like, man, this is the pinnacle of this life I got going right here. That's not a very good life. So I was determined. And, I, you know, looking back at it now, I was probably running from some things. I was going to go to Cancun and I was going to be a party guide. And I had zero business experience, but I was going to start this party guide business and probably fail uh, just looking at what it takes to be a business owner now. I, I do not think I had the mindset to do it. Uh, and luckily, a friend of mine, Tara Stetner, she had been selling real estate and she's a mouse. She's she's a great worker, but she's just quiet. She's not really a person person. And uh, she said, hey, great idea in the Cancun bit. But what if you were to do real estate with me for just six months? We'll see what happens. So I said, all right, we'll give it a whirl. What do I got to lose? So I uh, went and got licensed. And that first year, Sold my butt off. I actually don't remember what we did, but for a first year, it was good. I want to say between the two of us, maybe we did 25 deals, which I was pretty happy with that. That's a pretty solid first year. It's for probably two more. People. Yeah. And it's probably more than the 35 grand you made, right? After all those shifts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit more on about the first eight deals. Yeah. But my gosh, it was. Uh, and ever since I've been hooked, man, because I mean, we were talking a little bit before the show. I, I just think real estate is the best industry you could possibly, you learn a little bit of legal, you learn a little bit of real estate, you learn a little bit of investment, you meet the most phenomenal people. So I just, I couldn't be happier with this profession. So Tara got you into real estate. Like, can we give her a thank you? Yeah, you thank can. You, Tara. Thank you. Yeah, she probably <laughs> left. She's still working. She's the office administrator for another office there in Minnesota and they're killing it. And she, man, she's the most dependable worker I think I've ever met. So you got started in real estate. Uh, you and Tara crushed it the first year, 25 deals. What happened next? Um, we decided to split ways. I I was, I don't know if you'd say too greedy, not greedy enough. I don't know. But we had a 50-50 deal. And I thought, hey, man, I'm doing all the selling here. And I didn't uh, necessarily appreciate the admin side as much. So I tried to renegotiate. She said, get lost. So we split up and we did our own thing. And uh, I honestly think it was, it was better for both of us. But, uh, you know, I, I got to where 
you know, at my height in Minnesota, uh, I was a top 2% sales agent. I never made it in the top 1%, but still pretty good for a kid in his 20s. And it didn't matter what I made, man. I could have made 150 a year. I was blown 160. I could have made a million. I would have blown 1.1. So whatever I was bringing in, I was blowing too much money. And that's when I ran into a good friend of mine. Now my wife, uh, her best friend had gotten back from a 22-month deployment in Iraq. And it just, I, I don't know, it was just magical. And it was all the, the moon hitting the stars hitting. And, and I, we started having this discussion the next morning. And it was like a three, four-hour discussion over pancakes about... It's a lot of pancakes. Yeah, it's a lot of pancakes, <laughs> babe. It's a lot of syrup. So we were talking about, you know, how does pay work? How does rank work? Where do you go? Is it really that dangerous? And and it, it was a week or two later, man, I, I joined the military. And I think a big part of that is I saw that I had the potential, but I was aware enough. Thank God I was aware enough to see that I just wasn't doing it myself. So I needed somebody to kick me in the pants. And, and here it was, it was the army. So you wanted discipline. Like you were aware enough to know that you didn't have it and you needed it. Oh, yeah. so you, you sought after it. Yeah. And, and that was, cause I knew, I knew you're going to get drug tested. You, you can't show up drunk. You can't work hard three days and take three days off. Like there's none of that. You have to be on it at all times. There's a minimum standard in the army and you have to hit it every single day. And that really, I'm not saying I liked it at first. Now I love it. I mean, that's my life. But uh, I knew I needed it. And that was more important than the feel good of, of partying every day, which is exactly what I was doing. So now there's this, let's call it a 20-year span, right? So today, if I go and I poke around your social media, and I'm like, oh, this guy has a military background, and he speaks you know, these languages and something about chemistry in there. And... He's running the show. He's got this real estate team. He's in six or seven different states. That's a big bridge from where you came from to where you are today. Can we talk about that a little bit? Do you mind giving us a little context, if you would, or even contrast into that background and, you know, how much time you spent in the military and how that discipline was built? And then we'll go into kind of what that means for you today. Absolutely. So, when I joined the military, uh, I came in as a cryptologic linguist, uh, and they assign you your language. So, you know, I, I'm I'm a small town kid. I grew up in a, a, a city of about three thousand people, Princeton, Minnesota, and uh, I, I didn't know Spanish, French, German, none of that stuff. I'd never heard of it. I think in our high school we had one black kid. It was the rest was just white, right? That's it was just it was a bunch of people that looked like me, sounded like me, knew what I knew. That was it. So joining the army, it was a big culture shock, which is good. It's good to have that diversity that I'd never seen before. And I got thrown into Arabic, which is about as challenging a language as you can get thrown right off the bat. So you get 63 weeks to be completely fluent in your, uh, your, given, your given language. And it's an 80-something percent failure rate, which is interesting because that's what it is in real estate too, right? <laughs> so there's something about me that's attracted to this massive failure rate. But uh, it's essentially college. I mean, you show up at 8 o'clock in the morning, you get a one-hour uh, lunch break, and that's when you got to do all your errands or your Army stuff or whatever. You better take care of it in that one hour. Uh, and then you go until about 4 o'clock. And it's all Arabic. And on day one, 
they do not speak English. They won't speak English. So you're guessing and they're doing their best hand gestures they can, but they want you to really commit to the mindset of we are not going to cheat. Now, could you in the first week learn a little bit faster? Probably if you just used English, but it just gets you into that mindset of we are not going back. This is how it's going to be. So uh, I learned Arabic and and I'll tell you, like I was not a superstar with Arabic. There are, I would guess our class, it's so tough to say because you get people added throughout who kind of maybe got really close, but they failed. So they'll roll them back to the halfway point if they think they've got a good shot. Uh, others fail out. But I would say all in all, I probably was in class with maybe 25 people and there were probably about eight of us that got through but you gotta remember again some of those had failed off and got rolled back and all kinds of different things but uh man there were one or two in there that were just phenomenal i was not phenomenal i i'm one of the ones who barely made it and then my my career i had a 10-year career in the army and it was pretty much split in half so joe Um, when you say you made it does that mean you made it to the 63 week mark yeah i got it graduated yeah i graduated i passed the test um there's a and nobody knows how the scoring works or anything like that it's just you either get the score you don't get the score and i got the score yeah but i'll tell you going in man i was not confident i thought "Mm, (laughs) got about a 50 50 shot here let's see uh and it's nerve-wracking because you invest that whole time in that and you get a big bonus you're from memory i think my signing bonus was 63 grand but you get zero of that if you fail. Not only do you get zero of it, but your needs of the army, which means the army is going to put you wherever they want. So if they need an explosives guy, you're an explosives guy. If they need infantry, you're infantry. If they need a janitor, you're a janitor. And you don't have any say. I was on a five-year contract. So that would be another three and a half, four years of my contract. So there was a lot of pressure. I remember I had my notebook and I had 63,000 circled in a big uh, black Sharpie on the front just to kind of keep me motivated. But yeah, I, I, I passed the test. And, and again, I don't know how many right or wrong I got. I just know that I made passed. it. You yeah. made it. I passed. That's all I needed. Yeah. So, so then the journey went on. Uh, the first five years of, of my 10-year career was out in Maryland. And I worked at the National Security Agency and had a really good time there. It doesn't really fit my personality. I'm more of a let's go out in the woods and, and bring our weapons and, and trucks and that kind of stuff guy. But uh, it was fun to be exposed to it. It was just, it was incredible to see the amount of intelligence that we have access to and to see all the amazing things we do and how we shape policy in, in the Pentagon. And uh, it, it was just amazing. But uh, I rose up pretty quick and I was a staff sergeant in four years, which is as quick as you can become a staff sergeant. And so I was in charge of all of the military, all four branches on, I forget what floor it was, of headquarters. And I don't know how many people that was, maybe 50, 60 folks. So my job was to take their leadership that was back at base, not in the nerd building I was working in, and the civilian leadership in the building who were almost scared of us because they were like, man, these are the crazy, you know, barbarians that come through with their shoulders hitting the walls. <laughs> and uh, my job was to be that liaison. Like if you were having a problem with one of these guys, I fixed it. I reported back to your units, uh, commander, first sergeant, whoever it was awards. I took care of awards. So it, it was, it was a fun job and it was kind of my first taste of real leadership 
it was a blast. We got to take a couple of our soldiers uh, over to the White House. They gave presidential briefings to Obama, which was pretty dang awesome. That was probably the highlight of that particular five-year period was one of my guys coming up with a good enough report to where President Obama wanted to hear it. So they were only in there for about 45 seconds, but man, what a cool 45 seconds. So can I ask you a question about leadership? Yes, sir. Does the army teach you leadership or do you teach yourself leadership by being in the army? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I would, okay, so let me, let me break that down. Does the army teach leadership? Yes, the army indoctrinates you with its textbook version of leadership. You're also going to have your, your frontline leaders, right? When I was a platoon sergeant, I had a first sergeant, I had a commander, I had a uh, whoever, your sergeant major, and you build relationships with them. So some you may be close with, some you're not. Some you believe in, some you don't. I mean, even the army has good leaders and bad leaders. But when you go to, you know, or do you teach yourself because you're in the army, you also have to learn who you want to lead like and who you don't want to lead like. And if you're engaged, if you're paying attention, you're going to take every interaction with leadership as an experience to learn from. And if you look at it like you're just kind of floating around and you're not really aware, you're going to love your great leaders. You're going to complain about your bad leaders, but you're not necessarily going to take on any of the lessons. So I, I think both are true. I think the Army does a great job of setting you up for success. But if you don't take the reins, uh, you're going to have a tough go at it. And I think that just awareness and being a sponge and you know having a little bit of humility and realizing that whether you're a general or whether you're a brand new sergeant, which is pretty much the lowest leader there is, there's room for improvement. So the day you think that you're good to go and there's no room for improvement, man, that's the day you start going downhill. So I would say the answer is yes to both those questions. Okay. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Thanks for breaking it down. So let's get into your next five years. Yeah. So the next five years was completely different. At this point, I was a staff sergeant. I had all these NCOERs. That's your review every year. Uh, and they were looking sharp. So when I got to Joint Base Lewis McCord out in Washington, they saw all these NCOERs. They saw that I only had uh, five years in the Army and I was a staff sergeant and all these leadership positions. So they said, okay, uh, we're going to put you in the NCOIC of S3, that's operations, right, for the battalion. So really, you're in charge of, I shouldn't say in charge of, you're, because you've got also, you've got a major who's really running it, but you're the one who's doing all the work, and you're bringing him the decisions to be made with your recommendations, and he's going with your recommendations 80-90% of the time. So you really have to be careful what you recommend, because they're going to take it, they're depending on you, right? So you're in charge of training, you're in charge, and I'm talking about in the woods with guns, Humvees, all that stuff training. Uh, you're in charge of school training, right? A lot of the technical training where you're just sitting in a classroom picking up your skills with your particular MOS. I was in charge of our language training. We were in charge of getting land and ammo for our ranges, all kinds of stuff like that. And I literally had never seen a Humvee. So I remember you do, you got motor pool maintenance every Monday, right? And I remember that first Monday, rolling up and I got down to the motor pool and they're like, all right, Rosen, I want you to take these 15 trucks and, and, uh, you know, take care of them. I was like, dude, I've, I've never seen one of these trucks in my life. And they're like, what are you talking about? You're this high 
you know, you're a staff sergeant, you got all these great reports, you got all these leadership positions, you've never seen a truck? I'm like, no, man, I, I was at NSA, it was just, it was Nerdville Central, we, we translated, we built reports, we talked with uh, high level people, and that, that was it. So we never did any of this army stuff, right? <laughs> so I was indoctrinated quickly. And, you know, I remember my sergeant major pulling me aside and saying, you know, I know you're behind, I get it, I get it. But you've got the desire to learn it. So I trust that, you know, six months from now, you're going to be the best answer. One month from now, probably not. But just hearing that gave me the confidence. And I said, okay. And I've, I've kind of tried to pass that on to other people too. Uh, I mean, right now, we just got a brand new operations manager. And she keeps making mistakes. And every time she, it's like the biggest thing in the world to her. And I'm like, listen, you're going to make so many mistakes over the next six months. Just, just buy into it and go make them, man. Make them as quickly as you can. Just make them once, right? Each mistake once. Learn from it. Create some sort of solution for it in the future. But don't worry about making mistakes. Just make them fast. Let's go. So uh, I've really taken that on. But no, in, in that... Uh, in that space, we were deployed to Afghanistan from 2016, 2017. Uh, I was a team leader for a six-man low-level voice intercept team. So we basically went out and, and spied on bad guys, right? We were trying to find comms from the Taliban and share that with our, our leadership so we could make different decisions on the ground. And uh, it was awesome. It was awesome because that's, I mean, that's what I like. So we were connected with infantry units and special forces units. And we went out on, we basically chased Taliban. Whoever, you know, whatever Afghan leadership was calling us saying we're having problems with bad guys, we hopped in a chopper and we were there. And sometimes you were there for a day, sometimes you were there for three weeks, you had no idea. So we didn't necessarily know how many guys to send from our six man team. And by the end, we were going on so many missions. It was just one guy every time because we were being spread so thin. But uh, I remember, man, I, I, I was on a mission. And I had poor comms where I was at because we were in the middle of nowhere. And I'm trying to still maintain where, where are the rest of my guys? They're all over the country. And that's a big country. And, you know, I remember we, we got told the last minute we had to go on this mission. And we showed up and there was a chopper. There's no way they could hear us. It was so loud. And it was me and one of my guys. And I said, we need to go to Kandahar. And there's no way they heard us. And they said, yeah, 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 get on the chopper. I had no idea where that chopper was going. But it was the only chopper in sight. My commander told me to get on it. The people running the chopper didn't ask a lot of questions. I just hopped on. And when we landed, thank God, we were in Kandahar. But uh, sometimes out there, man, it's stateside. It's very regimented. You know exactly what you're doing. Lots of rules. Lots of people yelling at you. You can't mess up. <laughs> but, man, when you're out there, it's like the Wild West. So it was... It was awesome. It was a time of my life. Uh, I would never give that time up. It's probably the time I'm most proud of. And then when I came back, they knew I was getting out. So it, it really, I came down to just, I was training everybody in the battalion on combat operations because there weren't a lot of people with leadership experience, combat experience with that rank. So it was awesome, man. So let's transition into real estate, right? From military life. <laughs> yeah. You went through this time of hey, I need awareness. I need to get my shit together, so to speak. I'm going to join the military. I'm going to sink or swim into linguistics, right? Learn Arabic, become part of this unit, go and lead teams, manage teams, get out there in the field, be the guy in the woods running around with the shotgun and the Humvee. How did that transition for you to actually 
come back into real estate and do what you're doing today, right? Because today you have teams in like six or seven different states. You have somewhat systemized business developed, right? Can you walk me through that, what that transition looked like? Because obviously it didn't happen overnight, yeah. right? Just like it took you 63 weeks to graduate. It takes time yeah. to build that business. So how did you build that business when you came back? And what did that look like? Well, I'll tell you, it really all started with 18 months before I got out of the army. I knew I wanted to get into real estate. I talked to my wife and uh, she committed to being my operations manager for the first two years. And she didn't have any experience in it either. So I really took that 18 months I had left and broke it down into tasks. And I said, hey, I, I can't sell houses because I'm not even licensed. So I couldn't sell them if I wanted to. So there's really not a lot of prospecting I can do. So I just committed fully to building all of our systems, all of our manuals, all of our checklists, a lot of the stuff. And we don't really use a lot of that stuff anymore that I built originally. And I've only been here a little over two years, but it helped create a base for people I trust to look at it and say, that system you created sucks. But if you did this, man, this would be better, right? But if I never had the suck system in the beginning, there would have been nothing to point out. Nothing so, to work off of. Yeah, exactly, right? And I really do look at business like it's just, it's nine failures for every success. So for me, it's just speeding through as fast as I can those nine failures, not knowing where or what that success looks like. So for me, I, I was not concerned with having the best systems. Uh, and I wasn't going to take all day to make them. I just made them. And I made everything that was on my checklist. I built up my YouTube channel. I built up my Facebook page. I built my Instagram. Uh, I tried to do a lot of this stuff, the podcast and everything. I didn't really have a name or anything back then. So I wasn't, I, I don't know that I was really attracting a whole bunch of people to, to get me on. But uh, you just, you start to learn. And I mean, even with the podcast stuff, you know, you start off with really crappy videos and then you kind of upgrade your camera a little bit. Then you upgrade your video, you upgrade your lighting. But for a while, it sucks. And even when you improve, there's still a lot of suck to it. So it's just that constant push to get better. So when we finally got here, uh, I'd already 31 appointments scheduled. And it, it wasn't, you know, I want to buy, I want to sell appointments. It was meeting with city council members and school board members and big business owners and builders and the people who literally today have become some of the biggest networking uh, friends, some of the best friends, period, some of the best supporters. Uh, they invite me to the big events that connect you with other people. It, it was just phenomenal. So to have that base before we even hit the ground was incredible. And I think, you know, there's a lesson to learn there. Anybody listening to this, regardless of what business you're getting into, if it's real estate, if it's anything else, maybe you've got three days, maybe you've got three months, whatever it is you got, do not sit on your thumb, get up and do something. Prep yourself. Think six months in, what am I going to be sucking at? Because I'm so busy. I wish I had a system for that and create the system. And uh, you can't do everything, but my gosh, you can do something. So I think that that base was huge. And uh, I really did not plan on building a team until I was maybe two, three years in. I told myself, man, I want to sell 100 homes at a minimum before I start doing the team thing. And I just, I, I think with all the social media attention that I had, and I just had a lot of people wanting to work with me, the obvious solution was build a team. And where I was, 
I didn't have the people in place to teach me how to build a team that, you know, maybe, maybe I would attract them to the team, but three months, six months down the road, they would see, well, this guy really doesn't have his stuff together. So I need to get around people who had something that I could build off of. So I found a few guys, Jay Kinder, who was the number two Coldwell Banker agent on the planet at one point. Carlos is a phenomenal help up in Orlando. He's got 1,500, 2,000 agents. I don't know what he's got. And then my good friend, Alex Hag, um, he has a team. He's been doing real estate down here for 20 years. He's got a team doing, I don't even know, 50, 60 million a year. And I said, hey, man, I will come. Because I'm, I'm with EXP, right? So with EXP, it's kind of an MLM. That fit me perfect because I needed to know that the guy above me was financially motivated to open the curtain behind his team and show me everything going on. And I want to know, how did you get here? What did you fail at? Because I might do it without telling you and I want to skip over that. And what are you succeeding at? And I've gotten, I mean, I'm literally doing half the business he's doing and we're doing it in my second year. There's no way. I, I mean, I, I can pretend I'm whoever I want to pretend I am, but there's no way I would have done all that unless I would have aligned with someone who's that credible. So really just knowing to surround myself with strong people. And then now, I mean, I'm to the point where we've been doing this for a while. It's really taking in a lot of that structure from the army and the, the way our, our meet, I almost said training meeting, the way our business meetings run, the way our training meetings run, it's all structured exactly the same as when we were in the army. So the agenda, everything like that, the way they come up, the timeline, it's all like the army. When we're looking at, I mean, right now we've got 29, 30 agents, something like that. We got two transaction coordinators and an operations manager, but really on our core team, because some of those people come on, they want to be their own agent. They want to do their own thing. We've got value added for them, but they don't have to take part in that. But our core team, I think is nine of us. Uh, I'm getting to the point, once we get to about 14, 15, I'm going to start building it into pods. And we're going to have little pod leaders, just like in the Army where you had team leaders. And then you had the platoon sergeant. And so we're, we're going to build it out just like the Army. And we're going to build mentorship programs and expectation standards, minimum standards you have to meet to stay on. And I really do think all of that just comes from that experience in the Army. Let's go back to networking with Congress people and business leaders in the community. How did you know to do that? Or what was the insight to do that? Or why did you make that choice? Like most people would be intimidated to think about reaching out to any type of community or even political uh, leader, such as a congressperson or a city councilman or, you know, anybody in that stature without having something of value to offer. So walk me through, <laughs> walk me through that. Yeah. I, I like the way you said that because it's true. I don't know that I had a lot to offer, right? So that's, that's an, and I, I think that's a great point to make because I think a lot of people listening to this probably view themselves, regardless of where they're at, as, because we always, all of us, undersell ourselves a little bit in our own minds, 100%. right? 100%. We give ourselves 100%. a hard percent. Um, so I like that you brought that up. I, I think, you know, I came into this with, I, I just had zero fear and I still don't. And, and maybe that's warranted, maybe it's not, but I do think it's a good mindset to be in. So that really didn't concern me uh, at all. I wasn't intimidated. My thought was, and it was accidental, it ended up being an intelligent decision, but it was on accident. I literally was looking at Facebook, and if I friended somebody who only had three friends in Port St. Lucie, 
uh, that wasn't as good of a contact as someone who had a thousand friends in Port St. Lucie. Because now I can look at their friends list and I can start friending them and, you know, connecting with them. So I, I was struggling every night. I sat on the couch with my wife and she was watching Netflix and I was trying to figure out how to get up to 5,000 as quick as I could. Cause that's a Facebook limit. And I wanted all of them to be Port St. Lucie people. So I, I was struggling because I'd find Bob and Bob had two friends in Port St. Lucie. Well, if they don't accept my friendship, my, my friend request, boom, that was done, right? That little tree was done. So I started thinking backwards and I thought, okay, you need people who have a lot of connections in Port St. Lucie. That's what you're trying to do here. And I wasn't even thinking business-wise. I was thinking I need to get to 5,000 quick. So I just thought, you know, all the politicians, the the school board, um, teachers are a good one. Once you find one of them, you can see the business because they always say, I work at Palm Point School. Then you can go to Palm Point School and you see all the people commenting about, I love my kindergarten class. My kids are the best. Oh, that's a teacher. Boop, friend request. So it just made it faster. It ended up being smart because I met influential people who've helped me and supported me and everything else. But I wasn't thinking that. I wish I could say I was. I was simply thinking, how do I get to 5,000 the fastest? Okay, so let's stop there for a minute, right? First, you want to be at forty nine ninety five, right? So you have like five, it's true, five spots, right, for opportunity. Open to a bind, yeah. Um, you also have to be careful because if you send uh, excessive friend requests in a day, you're going to end up in Facebook jail, right? You yep, I've learned that now. lesson. Um, but here's where I'm going with this: What did you say to those people after you friend requested them? Right, oh. because now you're trying to build community. Yeah. You're trying to uh, build your network. You're trying to develop relationships. What are you saying to these people? Like, hey, I'm trying to get to 5,000. Please accept my friend request. <laughs> like, what, what's happening, right? Like, So before I started this, I kind of reverse engineered that too. Because I was thinking the same thing. What am I going to say to these people? They don't care who I am. I live in Washington State and I'm not coming for, for 18 months. <laughs> so you're right. I didn't really have a lot of value to deliver. So what I did was I put on the most chumsy polo I could and just tried to look like a normal, approachable guy. And uh, I was really smiley and I made a 48 second video. And, you know, I'll, I'll sum it up to this. It was pretty much, hey, my name is Joe Rosen and uh, I'm currently in the army. I'm active duty. I'm up in Washington state on the other side of the nation from you. But my family chose to move down to Port St. Lucie. Man, we're excited. It looks like the place to be. So we're going to come down there. We're going to you know, start our real estate business and everything. But here's what I'm asking from you. And I appreciate you accepting my friend request. I don't know where the best school to put my two little girls in, man. My two little girls, they're three and they're six. And they're going to need the best schools. So please, if you can tell me the best schools, let me know. I also love my wife, man. So I need to know about a great restaurant I can take her to so I can really love that woman up because she's got to make a big move with the girls. She's doing the majority of the work, man. I got to love her up. And any other details, man, fun stuff to do, great places to go, things I should know. I'd really appreciate it. But I just want to say thank you for accepting my friend request. And that was it. And so every, so I had, again, I'm thinking efficiency because I can't type out things 5,000, and it's not 5,000, it's 10,000 to get 5,000 to accept it, right? So I made that video and it was just boop, boop, boop. And as they liked it, I went, went to their messages, sent the, the video and then moved on. But that's quick and easy and efficient. The challenging part, I shouldn't say challenging. The thing that really sets you apart if you do this is when they reply to you with anything, you need to get into a really good, really deep, engaging conversation. Be unique, be authentic. 
don't, I already mentioned, I said, I'm coming down to sell real estate. That's it. That's the only thing I said. And then shut up about real estate. They know what you're doing. Right. So then I would get like, we would talk about schools. We talk about restaurants. Talk, and as soon as I said, you know what? The best place to have lunch is West End Grill. Once we got within a month or two, I started saying, really? Well, listen, I've never been there. I would love to go and I'd love to meet you. And as a thank you for telling me that, I'll buy you lunch. How does that sound? And so that's how I built those 31 appointments coming in. One big takeaway I have, right? I mean, there's a lot here, but one, be human. Big, big time. Be human. Yeah. Communicate, be human. You don't have to have any crazy ask. Just be human. Man, yeah. that's a good story. That That is a good story. For everybody listening, that is how you build community. Even within your own community, you can take that message, tweak it so it works for you, and build community socially. That's how you leverage social media, right? That's the power of friendships on demand, so to speak, yeah. if we want to call it that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel a little robotic. Uh, and there is a business intent behind it. But I'm telling you, man, once you, once you meet these people, and once you go to their charity events, and you hear the reason why they're throwing the charity event, and they're crying, and, and they're calling you and telling you about their issues. And, you know, some of these people are calling asking me financial questions as a buddy. Um, it, it changes your whole outlook on this thing. Like it's, yeah, it's a business. Yeah, we're here to sell houses. But that's kind of the afterthought of just building a ton of really good friendships with people. And Having I think that if, connection. Yeah. And I think if you lead with value, you know, give people value, educate them, humor them, entertain them, something, and just be authentic. Don't really try to sell anybody anything. Uh, you'd really be in, it'd blow you away how many sales you're going to do if you come that way. So fast forwarding to what's happening now. Uh, there's a couple of things that I see when I follow you and engage with you and look at what you're doing. Number one, you're very transparent, which I love. Number two, you do an incredible job sharing people's stories or tagging people or bringing people in to share what they're doing. Yeah. Um, whether it's resharing a post, whether it's saying, hey, you know, uh, Steve's plumbing is the best plumbing in, you know, yeah. Florida, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. But also with your personal development and publicly committing to, hey, I'm going to read 10 pages of this book. If you want to join me, that's great. Here's why I'm doing it. Here's what I'm learning from it yada, yada, yada. How did you get there? Where did that come from? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll start with the, the telling other people's stories. I really, I, I'm a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan. I think he's <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, Gary. And so you can see kind of where my, my thought process comes sure. with, right. And, and one of my favorite books on the planet, especially for social media is jab, 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 right hook. And for anybody who doesn't know that book, it's all about jab, jab, jab is give value, right? I just said, give value, humor them, entertain them, something, educate them. Um, and then the right hook, which is last. And, and remember, I said jab three times before I said right hook once. The right hook is the ask for the business. I think so many people, especially in real estate, all they do is right hook, right hook, right? There is no jab, right? It's just give me the business, give me the business, give me the business. And so, and this was super helpful because I, I couldn't do it wrong even if I wanted to. When I was in Washington, I could not 
ask for business. Because even if you said, yes, I, I'm not licensed. I can't show you houses. I can't sell your house. So I got in the habit of building that YouTube channel, the Joe Rosen Show, off of just building videos that helped buyers and sellers or agents. And that was it. I couldn't sell you anything even if I wanted to. So I really bought into that. But when I got here, I thought, you know, I think it started, I hope it started with the intent of just loving these people up. So I wanted to take them. I wanted to take their, their spouse. I wanted to take their business. If I knew their employees, if I knew we had, you know, friends in common, I would take a few of those. And if we're at a coffee shop, I'm going to take it in front of the coffee shop sign so that they get some good business. And I'm going to take the coffee shop and I'm going to take the owner and the, the manager and any employees they've got. And what that does is, and yes, it helps me. But it helps that person I was just with because now they've got all their friends, their their spouse, the manager that's underneath them, all of those people, their little circle seeing, wow, you were out and you did some great things. This guy loved up on you. He said wonderful things about our business. Oh, this makes us feel good. Boom, 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 boom. But you just got 12 likes, right? And you probably got four comments. And then you got the person who was with me commenting back on all those four. So now I got eight comments. And then I got the, the, the person who owns the coffee shop commenting and all her employees are saying, way to go, way to go with it. So then they're all comment and they're sharing with their uh, audience that I am not in front of. It's a completely different audience, a completely different part of my market here that I'm not seeing because I'm limited to 5,000. So it really, you know, I, I guess if you want to speak greedy uh, about it, it does help you. It's great marketing. It's a great way to get in front of people. But really, it all starts with just leading with the intent to give to the other person, really market them, love them up. And my gosh, great things happen. So that's, I think, where that comes from. I love that. Uh, with the book reading, uh, I, I just read The Slight Edge. And The Slight Edge, the whole book is about to be the best in anything right? No matter what it is, you don't need to be a stud. You know, Jerry Rice, Tom Brady were some of the least impressive physically, least impressive NFL players ever. Jerry Rice was slow. Tom Brady, I'm probably quicker than he is. That guy is dirt slow. And somehow these guys are the best at being a receiver and a quarterback. And I think both of them would attribute it to just every day they show up earlier than everybody else. Every day, they, they leave later than everybody else. Every day, if you're doing 100 reps, they're doing 110. Um, they're watching more video. They're reading more books. They're just, they're not better initially. They're not God-given better. They just push themselves a little bit more. Not a lot of it, just a little bit more. And they do it every single day. And so I really took that mantra on. And one of the big things I wanted to take away to get, you know, my 1% better is just read 10 pages a day and to hold myself accountable because it gets easy to fall out of that accountability. I thought, why not post it on Facebook? So I posted on Facebook and I'll tell you, it attracts the right people. If, if you're negative and you know, all that good stuff, you're probably not going to like that post, which is great because I won't hear your comments, which is phenomenal. But if you like that stuff, if you're positive, if you're pushing yourself, if you like the content that we're talking about, I get a lot of great comments. And now you start to see who you probably want to spend your time with. So there's so many layers of greatness anytime you go above and beyond and try to do anything, really. I love that. 1% better. That's it. Day. That's it. Show up. Show up. Try. Get that 1% better. And it's okay if you fail, right? Because the good news is you can always begin again. Yeah, you're either winning or you're learning. And, and I just, it doesn't matter which. Let's go.
I love that. All right, Joe, I want to be conscientious of your time. Um, for all of our listeners out there, our audience, you can pay it forward and give um, our fellow real estate professionals one thing, one tool, one message to take away. What would that be? Yeah, okay. So if we've got real estate professionals, I'd say this. I always put, I'm, I'm going to go three things. I'll wrap them into one. There's Love three it. things. I don't care what brokerage you're with. I don't care what team you're on. I don't care what you're doing. If you're trying to sell real estate and really sell anything, there's three things. If you do them, I think you're going to succeed. And if you don't, I think you're going to have a tough time. Number one, you've got to time block your day. And I highly recommend you do tomorrow, today. Don't wait until tomorrow to do it. You're going to find a reason not to do it. You're going to wake up and you're going to say, hey, uh, I want to be easy on myself today, but today I'm not going to be easy on tomorrow's Joe. So really do it today and time block every minute, even your free time, the time with your spouse, the time with your kids, all of it time block it. Uh, the second thing is you've got to get in front of new people. If you've got the money, if you've got the success where you can go out and pay for those leads, awesome. And that's how you're doing it. If you don't have the money and you've got the time, cause maybe you're new or you're poor, which we all were when we started, then you better use that time and make cold calls, door knock, whatever it is, but you have to get in front of people and it's gotta be a minimum standard, right? So for my guys, we try to have 10 conversations every day. Sometimes that means you gotta get in front of 10 people. Sometimes you gotta get in front of a hundred to have those 10 conversations, but make it a minimum. And then the third thing is have a CRM, put those people in it and you've gotta follow up with them. Whenever they come up on your follow-up list, you have to follow up with them. So every day, what I tell my guys is you have to go in there and clean it out if you tell me you didn't do it because it was too overwhelming or you got busy, I want to see that you did at least 10. So if there's 33 one day, just do 10. You'll catch up tomorrow. It's okay. But do not do zero because you're too overwhelmed. You do those three things, it would surprise the hell out of me if you don't succeed. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Where can these guys find you? If someone wants to reach out, if someone wants to watch your show, The Joe Rosen Show, what is the best way to find you, reach out, see you? Give me something. Yeah, so we've got the podcast, The Joe Rosen Show. Uh, it's literally joerosenshow.com. It's a YouTube channel. Uh, I'm on there from time to time. We do at least one live. It's me and my top agent, Lizette, uh, every single week. A lot of what I do is live, right? Because I like the authentic. I like what you're doing here, man. I think it's great. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram, The Joe Rosen Show. My Facebook page is The Joe Rosen Show. And, and I do, man, if I can help in any way. I don't care who you are, what market you're in, where you're at in your business, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube comments, whatever. I will see it and I will get back to you that day and I'll help you with anything. I'll show you everything I've got. So just so few people take advantage of it. I've got the time to do it. I, I promise you. So if you need help, do not make an excuse. Reach out. And there's others like me too, right? Just reach out and people will help you. Joe, this has been fun, man. Thank you. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for the positive vibes. Thanks for sharing your story. This has been incredible. I appreciate you. And I think you're doing such a great job with this. This is gold, right? This is exactly what I was talking about. You're getting so many great ideas from professionals in the industry. And if people are listening, if they're putting in the effort, man, they've got all kinds of nuggets to move forward on. And they would not be there without you. So I appreciate you. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate those kind words, man. That means a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it means a lot course. for the days that I don't want to get up, right? That I don't yeah, want to get up. It fuels you. It's good. Yeah, 100%. All right, buddy. Well, I think we'll be doing this again, man. Sounds good. I appreciate it again. Thank you. Hey, guys, it's Ray. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>